0: Can I have uh, those people who are going to read the Bible readings? Come on up the front. You can come up on stage or just stand down the front, whichever you'd like to do. All right. No, no, no particular order. Uh, That's how funky this is this morning. Yep. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest and send out workers into his harvest." Matthew 9, 35 to 38, NLT. Jesus travelled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now, just before we hear Pamela and and Paul's readings, um, I want you, if you want, to close your eyes. Um, We've sang a few songs today about I want to see Jesus, um, open our eyes, those sort of things. Well, in this one, I I just want you to try and picture the reading. Hear what else is going on in the reading. Uh, Maybe even... Pick up some smells that might be going on. Yeah. Um, just open yourself up to more than just hear the words, but sense the words. Feel, you know, if you've ever been with sheep, maybe go back to a place where you've been with sheep. Um, if you've ever been in, at a place where there's been a big harvest, maybe go to that place and, and picture that, all right, as we read these readings. Again, thank you, Pamela. Okay, so I'm reading exactly the same verse. Matthew 9. No, she doesn't want to. Yep. I don't want to share the microphone, to be honest. Um, Matthew 9:35 to 38, King James Version. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease amongst the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then said the Lord... Um, unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few pray ye therefore the lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest then jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages he taught in their meeting places reported kingdom news and healed their diseased bodies healed their bruised and hurt lives when he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said. How few workers. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. So, as, as you may have picked up very quickly, it's all the same passage. But four different translations, highlighting different things and maybe you heard something different through the different readings. So I want to um, just get you to picture those scenes. What did you see? What did you hear? What other things did you pick up as, as that was all taking place? This uh, reading is, is our last one in our area of prayer. And um, for those that uh, have heard of a guy called Spurgeon... Um, For those who want to know why Spurgeon did or became who he was, verse 38 is the verse. So Let me just read that. It says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so when Spurgeon heard that passage, and he he let it hit him, and instead of just reading it and going, Oh, okay, um, he said to God, Is that me? do you want me to go? And God went, yep, you're one of my harvesters. Go on, you're one of my labourers to it. So I I give you that intro because at the end I'm going to leave a challenge and uh, we'll see what what God can do. So those that are reading along with us, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, prayer for the harvest, praying into what God is doing because God is at work. Amen? God is at work. He is out there. He loves this world. So loved the world that he gave his only son. The who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. God is at work. God loves this community. God's heart breaks for this community. And uh, we need to be involved and in in, and through it. So let's break it down into a couple of areas. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. So this is what Jesus is doing. He's on and about. He's going. He's taking his team with him, his disciples. And they're going all around the community. They're bringing about change. He's preaching about what? The The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. He may be teaching some of those beautiful parables, the, the pearl of great price or the treasure that's hidden in the in that. He might be teaching some of those. But he's going about and he's teaching about the kingdom of God. Loud and clear to the people in the synagogues, in the meeting places, to those that will sit and hear. Jesus is teaching it. But he's also doing more. As he teaches the kingdom of God, he follows up the teaching with prayer or healing of sickness and diseases and healing every disease and sickness is what mine says what does yours say healing some healing the odd one or healing every this one says healing every sickness and disease so jesus is at work it's an incredible time an amazing time things that are happening can you imagine yourself walking with jesus listening to him teach about the kingdom of God. And then as the sick and the diseased come, he prays for them and he ministers into their lives and they're being healed. Just incredible, isn't it? A great picture of what Jesus is up to. A great picture of his love for these people. And then the next part says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep sheep without a shepherd, like sheep without a shepherd. One of the passages said his heart was broken. Um, Because sometimes when we read compassion, we think it's a little word. But last week, Brendan did such a good job about bringing forward the Greek word in the area of earnestly, all right? How deep that word was, how powerful that word was. Well, this word here for compassion is... It's about the stomach. It's about his bowels were moved. Something grabbed him and got hold of him. You see, these days we say, I love you with all my heart. You know, that's only a modern terminology. Ladies, the old romantics would go, I love you with all my stomach. (laughs) And some of us look like we love our wives with all our stomach. (laughs) In Different eras... The different body parts. You see, I love you with all my heart is what? It's romantic? Or I love you with the thing that pumps blood all the way through my body? Is that what we're saying? No, there's that spiritual romantic connotation about when we say heart. And the same was in this. So when Jesus was moved, there was something in him that changed. There's something that physically hit him. It wasn't just a, oh man, that really hurts. It was something that moved him to a point of, oh, it was significant. And he looked at him and he didn't just see sheep wandering around. How many people have seen lots of sheep? Yeah. I lived in Tasmania for a while. And I've got to remember, um, I was 21 when I lived in Tasmania. And the first time we went out bush into the Huon Valley, there were sheep farms or ranches or whatever you call them, Everywhere. There were so many sheep. And and I don't know why I did it, but one day I was traveling with these guys and we're heading off to a barbecue or something down in Hume Valley and there were sheep everywhere. They were right up near the the road. There were just so many, like thousands of them, little white things all over the place. And for some reason, I felt the urge to wind the window down and to go, at the sheep. And you know what the sheep did? They jumped and ran and they bolted all over the field. And I'm sitting there going, cool, that was pretty fun. The Tasmanians in the car didn't think it was very funny at all. In fact, the guy driving the car was a sheep farmer, a herder, a bloke. He went on to give me a lecture on why you don't do that to sheep. Because sheep are often timid. Uh, sheep could, It could be lambing season. And, and a sheep could be about to lamb, and I go and go, Barrr! and I could kill a lamb. And then he's the farmer has to come and clean it all up. And, and he just gave me a whole lecture on the importance of shepherds and looking after sheep and how you don't go up to them and go, Barrr! even if you're driving past. So we, we have that picture. But if we go back to when Jesus was talking about it, We've got a different picture, haven't we? Or or haven't we thought about that picture? See, back in Jesus' days, the shepherds were always out. And as in Psalm 23, the shepherd would lead them beside still waters. He would take them to find good food. And the sheep would follow him. There's so many analogies about the sheep. They go, how do you know whether the shepherd is with the sheep or the butcher? Well, the butcher's behind them yelling at them. The shepherd's in front leading them and they follow him. You see, the sheep don't follow the butcher. The sheep follow the shepherd. And the shepherd is so on about it. Even that Psalm 23, what did the shepherd have with him? He had his rod and his staff because it wasn't an easy job. There were predators who wanted to come and get the sheep. There were sheep who were just naughty sheep who wouldn't do what they were told and he had to use the hook and by crook and pull them into line. Some would follow the good feed and head towards the cliff and the shepherd would have to get them and pull them back in line. The rod was there when a lion or a bear or a wolf or something else would come and try to steal one of the maybe weaker sheep or the younger sheep. It was a tough job. And the amazing thing is, is when you go to Israel, I've never been there, I'd love to go one day, maybe on a a sabbatical study that my church sponsors me to go um, (laughs) for six months in 2023 um, anyway so is it in the budget <laughs> uh, and, and they go over and, and the shepherds would be leading the sheep and there'd be another shepherd coming down the road with his sheep and they'd come together and there'd be sheep everywhere and two shepherds and the shepherds would be good shepherds and they'd talk to each other hey how are you going up there yeah it's over there oh, there's a good flock up there there's another one there, and then they'd go okay see you later and they'd go and guess what the sheep would go with their shepherd but at that time they were all over the place And so Jesus knew, because he walked so many places, he would see the sheep that had no shepherd. Whether the shepherd had gone home, whether the shepherd was sick, or whether the shepherd had actually been taken out by a lion. And all of a sudden, the sheep are lost. And Jesus uses the words harassed and helpless. Now, I think this is a beautiful passage for today. Today. June the 26th, 2022, when I watch the news, when I read social media, when I hear what goes on in around my world, in my country, in other places, I am looking at sheepless, a shepherdless sheep. I'm looking at people lost without a decent leader. I am seeing them harassed and helpless being taught this or taught that or told this is the way and it's not the way, it's not what Jesus would have for them. There's so much danger for the sheep in 2022. They need good shepherds. And the hard thing in amongst it is that as we look with integrity into where we're at in our world, unfortunately some of the shepherds have been bad shepherds and I'm talking in the church as well as outside the church bad shepherds shepherds that are only about profit shepherds that have better deals with the butcher than with other shepherds Jesus looks and sees and it impacts him I wonder, does it impact us? Or do we look at these harassed and helpless sheep and go, yeah, your choice, you're dumb enough to make that decision, good luck with it, none of my business. Or do we feel compassion? Uh, at confession time, sometimes I, I, I need to go back to the book of Revelation and go back to my first love because... Sometimes I've lost my first love. I've lost my love for God and I've lost my love for his people and I get frustrated. I need to go back to that and repent and say, God, I do love you more than anything else in this world but I also want to love your people. Something amazing. I don't know if you were like that. I sometimes do think, well, naughty sheep, you deserve a butcher. Go and hang out with the butcher. So that's not Jesus' approach. He wants good shepherds. And he is the good shepherd. The next part, we go from that picture to another picture. So he then turns to his disciples, heartbroken, and he looks out and he sees another picture. The harvest is plentiful. Have you ever been in places where the harvest is plentiful? Cynthia and I have done a few road trips before we had kids. And I remember vividly coming over... A number of rises. I always loved rises, like flying up the rise and then coming over and see what's on the other side. Especially places that I've never been before. We used to have to go to a conference down in Canberra every year. And and you'd go one way and then okay, now this time we're going this way and now this and we go this way. This is all before Google. And you'd have maps. And you'd be looking at it and go, I think we're meant to turn right, two hundred kilometers back. So you'd back, back, and we'd found all these places. we come over one, and it was just a sea of yellow. It was just yellow everywhere. And, and we were talking, what, what is that? It, it's not yellow daffodils. That's not right. And we think it was canola. And it was just so much of it. And then we come over another hill, and there was purple. Purple as far as you could see. Lavender. It was just incredible. And we wound the windows down and the smell was just, oh. I've tried to grow lavender five times. That killed them all, even the English lavender. I've even got a big pot like this that says lavender on it. I've got to cross that out. This is the killing machine. But it's this harvest. As a young boy, I used to go to my grandma's place in Brunswick Heads. And we would... Uh, head down there. And we always knew when we were in New South Wales. Anyone want to have a guess at how I knew we were in New South Wales? Everything was better. better. (laughs) I was actually thinking some people would say something else there, Richie, but yeah, that's a fair comment. Some people would say the roads got better. Um, uh, Ah, Of course, of course. Yes, it's always our fault. For me, it was the simple thing of banana plantations. All through the tweed, you see banana plantations. And if it wasn't a banana plantation, guess what it was? Sugar cane. Sugar cane. Now, as a young boy, growing up with my my grandma, a lot of the time I would stay with her. My mum used to say, Honey, you're going to have holidays with your grandma. Now, I don't know about you, but when I went to my grandma's for holidays, it was never a holiday. I painted her house like six times in my holidays. Anyone know what I'm talking about here? I mowed her lawn. I dug up her, you know, it just was job after job after job. You get there and they go, happy holidays. (laughs) What the heck? And she was so stringent. Breakfast was at eight o'clock. The main meal of the day was at midday. And at nighttime, six o'clock was dinner. And if you got there at those times, you ate. If you were late, bad luck, you missed out. But my grandma also thought when I wasn't doing all her jobs that I might want to do other jobs. One of the jobs was cool because next door was a snapper fisherman and he had a snapper trawler. And, Mate, I'll go out snapper trawling. Yeah, that's, good. that's a good idea. And then, then she introduced me to this other guy that had a banana plantation. He said, you want to go and harvest bananas? And I went, yeah. Is it money? Yeah. All right, I'll go and do it. So I get there, and the guy's taking me through it. And one of the first things he says to me is, So, do you like snakes? No. <laughs> oh, well, you don't want this job then, because there's going to be lots of snakes at harvest time. Why? Do snakes eat bananas? <laughs> no, they eat the rodents that eat the bananas. Oh. And then you go to sugarcane. Do you like snakes? What the heck's with New South Wales and snakes? You ever been at sugarcane when they fire it? You see what comes out of the sugarcane when they fire it? Snakes, cane toads, rats. <laughs> it's incredible. So I crossed those jobs off and I went back to painting grandma's house. But the harvest, if you've seen a plentiful harvest, it's something incredible to see, isn't it? And I know Jesus walking around, he probably would have seen harvest after harvest after harvest after harvest. After harvest. Today, uh, we're, we're paying good dollar for a lot of our harvest stuff, aren't we? Anyone? Let's see who's rich. Who's got lettuce at home? <laughs> oh, there we go. You grow your own though, don't you? No? no? It's oh, it's organic from local farmers. Yeah, you guys have got connections. These are, yeah. There you go, the Timmermans. They're not necessarily rich. They're just really smart. All right. But yeah, so these things... In our harvest time, and, and why aren't we getting a lot of that? Well, we say, oh, it's yes, because of the climate change, it's because of the flood. You know why? It's because of lack of harvesters. A lot of the folk that normally come to Australia that take on those tough jobs that don't mind snakes and all that sort of stuff, because Aussies, no, they're not letting in. The, the, the farmers are saying, oh, mate, we need harvesters. I remember back during COVID, a couple of our young adults uh, answered the call to go and do strawberry picking. I think one of them lasted three days. The other two left after two days. I think one left after one. It's like, Man, that is back-breaking work. Too hard for me. So harvesting is not easy work. It's tough work. You know, it's not in air-conditioned churches where the harvesting takes place. It's out in the sun where the harvest is outside these four walls there could be rodents coming out of the harvest there could be snakes in the harvest how many times do we go out and we share people about jesus and you know there's something going on there's a cane toad over there there's a snake around the edge oh look there's a few rats we think harvest is just oh so nice so yes we just go in and just pick it and just pull it in our little basket and away we go yay harvest is good time Harvest is hard work. Harvest is something that is incredible. And without the harvest, there is no future. And so what does Jesus say here? He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this word, ask, how many of you got your Bibles? Most of you have ask there. Ask, ask, ask. Yeah, You know, for me, as a a young guy growing up, it's like, hey, mum, can I go out Saturday night? Ask your father. Go and see see dad. Now, my dad was a boxer, and he had a a brain tumour the size of a tennis ball, and uh, he had that taken out um, uh, probably when I was six or seven. And so when I was 10 or 12, I discovered that dad was uh, three-quarters deaf on that side, and so when you sat next to Dad washing the dishes and you're wiping the dishes, because in those days that's what you did, <laughs> I'd go to Dad, hey Dad, can I go out Saturday night? And he'd go, what? I'd go, can I go out Saturday night? And he'd go, what? Dad, can I? Yeah, whatever. And I'd go to Mum, hey Mum, I'm going out Saturday night. Did you ask your father? Yes. When I was on his right-hand side, three-quarters deaf. cha ching I don't know how many fights I caused between my mum and dad <laughs> when they went to bed and you go, so you let not go outside that night? I don't know. Did I? He said you did. Oh, I probably said yes. He asked me something while he was washing the dishes. It's not about ask like trying to con God. It's not an ask as in trying to, you know, could you please do something about that? We've got this harvest out there. Can you do something about that? This is your job. The ask is actually uh, not the same word that, that Brendan used last week about enthusiastic, but it's right in that same zone. So a number of the commentary writers said that ask is not the best, but it sort of portrays it easy enough in English. But it's, it's a more passionate way of about it. It's a deliberate. It is enthusiastic. It is something that you want to take hold of and go, yep. Jesus is asking the disciples. He's asking us to talk to the Lord of the harvest, to plead with the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers into the harvest field. Now, how many of you know that when this takes place, when we pray, that we should be ready to be the answer to those prayers? Is that the way you pray or am I doing it wrong? Yeah? When we say, God, can you heal my wife? i'm praying for cynthia can can god come back and say that's a great idea donnie why don't you go into bed lay hands on her and pray for her oh man can you send someone from the church i'm asking you to do it not me to do it. isn't but it is i'm right there and i can pray and i love my wife if i'm going to feel compassion for anyone i should be feeling something for her If she's harassed by sickness and lying there helpless, I should be praying for her. Does that make sense? And I think many times when we pray, we better be careful what we pray because God might be saying, yeah, it's a great prayer. How about you answer it? How about you be my hands and feet? How about you be my mouthpiece? How about you be my 500 bucks to help that person out? I'll tell you a funny story. You want to hear a funny story? When I proposed to Cynthia, that's not funny, that's serious. <laughs> when I proposed to Cynthia, we found the perfect engagement ring. Perfect because she liked it and I could afford it. <laughs> and it was through Michael Hill Jeweller. And when it came time for me to surprise her by proposing, we went to the jeweller and they said, uh, that, that ring gets made in New Zealand And it no longer gets made. So you can't have that ring anymore. What? And they said, So you need to choose another one. And so he chose another one, and it wasn't the same one. And guess what? It was one I couldn't afford. It was more expensive, but Cynthia liked it, so I went, Okay. So I'm going home and I'm praying, God. I don't have any money. I'm at Bible college. I've given it all away or I've spent it on going to Bible college or I've actually put fuel in the car this week, so i got nothing. And at Bible college, that's what it was like for me. Uh, you know, There was no $50 note hiding in my wallet. And I went, okay, what am I going to do here? My brother Merv, who was a biker, came and visited me one of these times at Bible college. It was probably the only time he ever visited me at Bible college. And, and I told him my story. And, and at that time, I'd been given money from other people miraculously and I only needed $10. And you might be thinking, $10 in the scheme? That's a piece of cake. Even back in those days, in the 80s, $10 was not a massive amount. And he, he's looking at me. He only need $10. bucks. i went. Like, that's all I need, 10 bucks to buy this ring. And he goes, oh. Now, he doesn't go. There you go, Donnie. He goes home. He writes a letter because he and I had lots of arguments about God. He writes a letter to me. And in the letter, he says, I, Mervyn Douglas Johnson, hereby, by my own decision and degree, give you $10. I give you this $10, not God, me. And he wraps it, puts the $10 in, and sends it. I, to this day, tell him that God gave me $10. And he goes, no, he didn't. I didn't. God used you. No, he doesn't do that. Guess what? How many of you know God does do that? He does. My brother and I now have amazing God chats. And he's walking with the Lord in some way, shape, or form. He's, he's a lot older and a lot deafer the motorbikes are still in his garage, but they haven't been rid since, uh, ridden since about 1987. But anyway, what are we going to do for the, the the harvest? Warren Crank is a good friend of mine. He's gone and started um, an organisation called Red Dirt Church. It's called Pop-Up Churches. And um, they've discovered that within 100 kilometres of the coast is 99.6... Of Australia, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, he he talked to some people who were in Long Reach and they said, Um, we're going to the coast for holidays. And he said, Oh, awesome, where are you going to? And then they said, Kilcoy. And he went, That's not the coast. And he said, Well, in comparison to Long Reach, it is the coast. So they're they're doing church plants all around Australia, and he's in Port Augusta this weekend. Um, And he wrote this book numerous years ago and I've given it away to a number of people within the church and I'm looking at getting a whole bunch of other ones. It's called Unofficial Chaplain and it's an incredible book about being in the harvest and you don't need to have your degree in theology. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be on the leadership team. All you need to do is have a little map of who lives around you, write their names in there and pray for them and intercede on their behalf and pray that your community will come to know Jesus. That's part of being in the harvest. It's also when you where you work. It's also where you go to school. It's also where you go to uni. It's also in your family because many of us have got folks in our family who need Jesus. Now, I was going to do a whole section here about Jesus is the answer, like in grade one RI. Jesus is the answer. Um, I was going to go through a whole bunch of things like Domestic violence, pornography, alcoholism, drugs. If we hooked into Jesus properly. But, but as I started to unpack that out, guess what properly was my interpretation of properly? And, and, and it's a little bit more complicated. And if we just were to say domestic violence, Jesus is the answer. I believe that 100%. But to say it simply can sometimes be just a, a fob off because domestic violence is incredibly complicated. And I don't want to wash down what people go through. The same in the area of pornography. The answer is Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus, you won't want to be connected into pornography. But it's more complicated. You know what I want? I just don't want to throw away line. I want something that is important. I believe Jesus is the answer for the world today. Without him, there is no other. For Jesus is the way. But how do we live that in amongst the harvest? In the front of that book that I showed you is the unofficial chaplain's prayer. I've got versions of it here and I've got versions of it down the back. Let me read it to you. Heavenly Father, today I am commissioned to do good to the people around me. If someone has need, I can meet. Enable me to see it and meet it. Help me to be credible ambassador for Christ, one who serves diligently and models integrity. May I always be prepared to share my faith and hope in simple, appropriate ways. Help my relationships deepen and my spiritual influence increase as I invest my time in people. Give me the strength to accept antagonism and to respond with a blessing. Stir me, Holy Spirit, to pray for people privately and with them opportunely. Today, Lord, help me nudge someone in your direction in your direction. For me, there is a beautiful verse that I believe backs this prayer up. And it's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And even though some of us have been sick, some of us have had COVID, some of us have had a, a two years that has just been such a challenge. Let me read this. This is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. It's like the golden rule, isn't it? Let me read it again. Let us not become weary. Let us not go tired. Let us not faint like the sheep. Let us not get harassed or be helpless like the sheep. But let us turn to the shepherd. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good. Who do we do good to? All the people all the people the good the bad and the ugly the people at the shops the tax man, the accountant the politicians do good to all people do good no matter what background it doesn't say do good to those who agree with you do good to those who like the broncos or queensland do good to those who wear the same clothes as you. Do good to those who look like, smell like and act like you. It doesn't. Does good to all people. And that do you like the little provisor? I think the author of Galatians is being naughty or cheeky. I like it. You know what he says at the end? Especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Why would you put that in? If you said good to all people, wouldn't you do that? Especially in the church. I think he's going, no, Donnie, I know church. I know the church. I'm going to have to put that in there. Especially to all believers. Because sometimes believers, we can be naughty, can't we? We can give each other such a hard time. Oh, you're not as spiritual as me. You don't read the Bible as much as I do. You don't know theology like I know theology. You don't sing properly. No, I don't. And then we... You're a subclass Christian. I'm a super Christian. And it's not right. Jesus went about to all places teaching the good news of Jesus, the kingdom of God, healing all those sick and diseased. Then he saw and he had compassion and he wanted something different. He wanted to help the harassed and the helpless sheep. bread's ready and then he looked at the harvest and went yep there's a big harvest now I want to tell you from someone who, who goes out into the harvest quite a lot I find the harvest amazing about three four weeks now before I got COVID so back in May so it's a long time ago May I did my first acute ward at the hospital as a chaplain and i went up to these people five people who were in the ward and they'd been in there since 3 a.m or 7 a.m that morning and they were still waiting to be processed and put up to another area and all five of them said yes i'd love to have a chat with you yes i'd love to have prayer not one of them said rack off hairy legs you and your mates not one of them said, you look really strange with that funny mask on and your super glasses over your glasses. Not one. At the football club, I find it easy to talk to people. They haven't come to faith yet that we can do good, can't we? Surf club, we can do good. We can go into the schools and do good. We can go across the road and do good. Who knows When? The harvest. That verse says, at the right time, the harvest will come in. Let's close and pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have to put up our hand and say, yep, I want to be one of your workers in the harvest. I want to be an, an official chaplain into my community, into my family, into my area that I live I want to shine the light of Jesus. I want to grab hold of that song, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine in my home, in my community, in my street. When I go shopping, may the light of Christ shine in and out of me. Just the very presence that I carry, the Holy Spirit within me in all areas. Oh Lord God, may we minister your goodness, your grace. May your gospel be loud and clear in and through us. And as a wise man once said, I'm going to preach the gospel. And sometimes I'll even use words. Take us, Lord God, from this place to be your people in your name. Amen. Thank you, Randall and team.